You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Greg Cupney, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted, and it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Thanks for pressing play on this episode of Two and Out. It's Travis Curra, Sheldon Jones, getting you ready for week seven. We're both coming off, each of us, attending some AEW wrestling. But I'm interested in the work you put in at Taco Bell in Saskatoon, man. You guys went to work. What's your uh, item of choice at the old Taco Bell? Yeah, two of us is like 54 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. Uh, I got a couple of the, I think they're called the chalupas. They're like the taco okay. with the the cheat layer of the cheese sauce, and then the the I don't know pita bread or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, delicious. Yeah. I had a couple of those, and what else? I'm all about the chili cheese burritos. I'm a simple guy. Get about four. I was of those. looking at that. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at that, but I didn't go for it. Matt, he got two of the he he thought he was getting two of the small burritos, but they charged him for the like regular ones or oh. the large. So that's why it was so expensive, I guess. <laughs> but uh, and then of course you got to have that Baja Blast. Love it. All right, Taco Bell. Regina in November. November, okay. Yeah. So, fast food delicacy. <laughs> not good. <laughs> It's good that it's in the south end, way far away. From- yeah. <laughs> uh, week seven in the CFL, we got a lot to live up to from week six, and uh, some pretty wide point spreads here. So I don't know if we're going to live up to week six, but uh, I guess the ratings for week six were pretty darn good too. The second highest rated game of the week was actually Hamilton at Edmonton. Uh, and it was one of the best-rated regular season weeks in quite some time. So people are talking, even if they're talking about world records being sent or set in Edmonton. Thankfully, they are not in Edmonton <laughs> this time around. But is it much better going to Winnipeg, where the Bombers are 14.5-point favorites over the Edmonton Elks? I actually think... I don't think Edmonton's going to win. But they have a shot at covering that. Like, that is pretty crazy, man. It is crazy, but I think Edmonton is the the last team that wants to play Winnipeg on a week after they lost to Ottawa. Uh, and Zach, you know, he's never lost two games in a row. as He stole that from the most. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so no, I, I I think that the Eskimos will cover, but I would not be surprised if they did. So they could be down so, by halftime. That who knows? They could. Winnipeg beat Saskatchewan by eighteen, and then Winnipeg lost by twenty four. They beat Montreal by fourteen. They uh, ended up beating Calgary by thirteen. And then they lost to Ottawa. So, and they're coming off a short week. Look, I, 
anything's possible after that Ottawa win over over the Bombers yeah. here. Uh, but uh, look, the Elks, they lost by eight to Hamilton. They lost by one to Saskatchewan, and they lost by 19 to Ottawa. So clearly Ottawa are uh, the new team to, to look out for <laughs> in the CFL. But you're right. Zach Kolaros has not lost back-to-back regular season games as a Blue Bomber, and he gets another weapon to the arsenal this week as Kenny the King Lawler is set to make his season debut. So the Bomber offense gets that added boost. We saw how they started off early in the year. High-flying, nobody could really stop them, but maybe Ottawa put out the formula on how to beat the Bombers. They limited Brady Oliveira to basically nothing. And the Bombers had no other uh, answers once they couldn't run the ball. Uh, Look, easier said than done for Edmonton to do that because Jamin Pelly on the defensive lines on the six-game injured list and their starting middle linebacker, Niles Morgan, is on the six-game injured list too. So Edmonton stopping the run is going to be a tall task, Sheldon. It definitely will. Uh, and again, Oliveira is going to be upset that he didn't get any yards against Ottawa. Uh, so, but also Ottawa's defense, I think, is a lot better than Edmonton's defense yeah. right now. Uh, they've been defense has not been Ottawa's problem uh, this season, uh, but. The, the good thing for Winnipeg is having Lawler back. I don't necessarily think Lawler is going to be having have a huge game stats wise. He's going to have some rust. He's probably been under a lot of stress with this whole whatever you, pat or working visa issue that he's been having. And but he is going to take away that double team from like Dalton Schoen or Nick Dembski and get those boys open. So it's it's going to be a very tough night for uh, that Chris Jones led. Elk defense. Yeah, and I think what we see w- with those elks is like the, they'll kind of keep teams under control. They'll they'll keep them limited and then just get smashed with a big play. And we know the bombers have big play ability. They'll run, 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 and then all of a sudden, eighty three down the field or whoever is down the field uh, scoring a long touchdown. And actually, the elks lead the league in giving up big plays. They've given up eight. Of them uh, this season. Ottawa is in second with 14. Winnipeg has given up 13 big plays. And look, Taylor Cornelius is starting, and they might be in a lot of passing situations. If we're talking fantasy, maybe they're going to be passing the ball 45 times just to try to keep up with Winnipeg. Although I, I, I see. This kind of be in the game where maybe Winnipeg is going to have uh, several six-minute drives, so Edmonton's not going to really have that much time with the ball. But, hey, they've started to look Kyron Moore's way. He had a 100-yard game, and uh, Winnipeg, teams have passed on them. A little bit of the stuff in the secondary. They have given up some big plays here and there. I think... The key is Cornelius is going to have to do what somehow he does against Saskatchewan. Uh, run. I don't. He, he seems to be the Riders' Achilles' heel. I know they lost last time out, but they have a tough time getting a handle on him. And maybe if he could stay unpredictable and and run the ball, <laughs> that might be the key to kind of keeping up with the Bombers here. That's true. And Crum was able to run over them a little bit, uh, yeah. but. 
Adam Big Hill's not gonna not gonna whiff on that many tackles. So. Fueled by anger, yeah, it could like, help or exactly. hinder you, right? <laughs> yeah, no, but exactly. It's 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 like the perfect storm of everything that would have upset the bombers yeah. in the last game is the things that Edmonton would have to do well to actually be in this game. So right. it's uh it's a very interesting David versus Goliath type match here, but we're we're starting to see that Winnipeg is is not that Goliath anymore. They're 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 being a little more human. Now, I think Solomon Elamimian might be the last defensive player to win MOP. Could it happen again in twenty twenty three? I think I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Maybe Chad Kelly gets the nod out of the East, maybe, but out of the West. I mean, <laughs> Matthew Betts has nine sacks in five games. Willie Jefferson is tied for the league lead in pass knockdowns. He's 12th all time, actually, in that category. Now, it's only a stat they've been tracking since 1994, but still, a D lineman to be up there <laughs> in that category yeah. is phenomenal. And he seems to be playing, I guess... To take a Michael Cole reference, vintage Willie Jefferson uh, style football so far. Yeah, uh, like when you said, or when I was reading that on the the sheet there, as it, I wasn't shocked because I remember the amount of times he did it when he was here yeah. in Ryderville, and then how many times he's done it against us <laughs> playing for the Bombers. So, and then you add a few more in other times. So, uh, yeah, no, he's his his wingspan, like he's just yep. unreal. It's like Michael Jordan in Space Jam. He's going to dunk. That's what it must feel like for the CFL quarterbacks going against Willie J out there. So I I would not be surprised in the least. I'd, I'm, sure, I'm not sure if you have it in front of you, but whatever the final or the the record is, but I would not be surprised for Willie to break that. But he's done. Yeah, he, he might. Now, he's actually only two away, I think, from tying uh, Davis Sanchez in his career. Uh, for pass knockdowns, so could it happen this week? It could. Taylor Cornelius has that challenge ahead of him this week, but uh, we'll we'll see what that leash is like. Is is he going to have a bad quarter, and then they put Daggy in, or or what have you? Um, Chris Jones basically challenging Trey Ford to play better football this week. If you want to get in, be better. And but he also said it's it's kind of hard. If you don't have a good camp as a quarterback, it's hard to kind of move up that depth chart during the season. At least that's what he has said, kind of challenging Trey Ford a little bit. I know fans across the league want to see the Canadian out there and uh, getting that shot because at 0-6, what do the Elks have to lose (laughs) besides another game? (laughs) That's exactly it. Like, If you say that you need to see him play better – well, you're 0-6, and your starting quarterback is not playing well, so why don't you see if he can play better? Like, mm-hmm. practice is not everything. We've all we've heard of players who aren't great practicers but play awesome in games, so you can't – I know quarterback, you need to be solid in practice, but it, sometimes you just got to see what they can do when the lights are on and the stress is active, right? Mm-hmm. Some defensive changes for the Bombers as 
Global defender Les Maruo will start at weak side linebacker in place of Malik Clements, uh, who is now on the sixth game with a hip issue. And Canadian defensive back Rita Cramdy will start at strong side linebacker after returning from a hip injury that held him out for the last three games. Uh, I mean, it's we we spent five minutes uh, talking about a game that has a fourteen and a half point spread at the moment, but as we saw last weekend, no game's ever over, and everybody's got a chance in the Canadian Football League, man. You got to play the game, no matter what, right? Yeah, no one's walking away when there's three minutes left when you're watching the NFC Championship game, like it's. Yeah, the NFL is down to the last second. Yeah. You know, as uh, somebody that was crushing five dollar beers at Mosaic Stadium, and Tevin Jones scores the big touchdown, <laughs> the, it, the the roller coaster yeah. of emotions that you feel at a CFL game. Uh, we'll talk riders right away here. First, the Argos are seven and a half point favorites over the Hamilton Tiger Cats as they look to move to five and zero oh for the first time. Since 1960, the Argos have only been 5-0 and once in the modern CFL. This is how different this Toronto team is. And they've actually won seven of their last games, last eight games with the Ticats. I don't know. Have you been paying attention much to this PFF grading system in the CFL? I mean... As far as the power rankings go and things like that, it seems to be just sort of right now a conversation starter. Uh, it's a pro football focus. They use the grading in the NCAA and the NFL a lot, and a lot of people look at it as almost the football gospel. But kind of a flawed system, at least so far, when it comes to grading uh, stuff happening in the Canadian Football League, Sheldon. <laughs> Well, yeah, like they have, like Montreal's O-line is the top graded one for some reason. They've let how many sacks? Like Cody Alford wasn't on the list last week. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) How how does the Calgary returner, who I'm sure, who wouldn't even had as many yards as Mario, there's no way. And Mario gets two touchdowns and he's not the special teams performer. Give me a break. But again, maybe they just want to piss us off and get us talking. Like maybe, maybe that's why there's no stats is because they know that we just keep bitching about it all time. And, well, it, I guess it's working in the television ratings because people are like I can't get stats online. Yeah. I got to watch yeah. the game. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I won't be able to see how many touchdowns Taylor Cornelius has thrown, so I have to watch the game. Shut down the <laughs> website. Only time you can get CFL information is watching it on TV. <laughs> Although, I, I mean, mean, do what you got to do, I guess. A lot of the other stuff here. James Butler was the second uh, graded player last week. He had a great game. Chad Kelly was number one. Hey, look, he had a great game, too. Other than the bad interception, he was, what, 21 to 25, his 300-yard game, three passing touchdowns. That makes sense. Uh, David Unger yep. was up there. James Vodders, uh, Micah Alway of the Stampeders up there. Rene Paredes up there. That Kobe Williams of the Stamps uh, on the special teams. That, you're right. Quite interesting. <laughs> but here's where we stand right now. Chad Kelly is the number one graded player th- through 
Actually, the entire year, he's got the highest score of 93.4 after his performance last week. I was a Chad Kelly doubter, man. I I was. So he's probably it's one. Me good. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's good that we're wrong because like, there's a lot of people who were kind of upset with Naylor's uh, like little prediction there that he's the most important player in the league. But if he can continue to perform like this, he will be the most important player in the league and he'll get the fans out of the border. Well, and with lots of those uh, quarterback injuries so far this year. Oh, hey. Hey, Tammy, what's going on? (laughs) She's on the show. She's on the show. (laughs) They got to keep them healthy, though, right? Like, with all the quarterback injuries we've seen this year um, and the last few years, keeping Chad Kelly healthy is like. What a priority for the Argos, obviously, that to say the least. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but but again, he if he continues to to perform well, nothing but good things for the league. Yeah, and uh, the thing is, this is another one of those games, man. The Tie Cats look; they're at home, and I, they were able to get a couple wins here over the past few weeks. So good for them. Matthew Schultz, though, now he's on the six-game injured list. They bring in Antonio Pipkin, and Taylor Powell is going to get the start against Toronto because Bo Levi Mitchell not quite ready to go for the Ticats. So Powell gets his first career start against an Argonaut defense that is uh, not always easy to uh, figure out. And (laughs) they're hard on quarterbacks. They're hard on running backs. But... If the Cats can't get James Butler going, they've been kind of inconsistent with that this year. He's been having good games and kind of off games. But with Taylor Powell making that first start, we saw him. He he had a nice touchdown pass against Edmonton. Uh, They need to have James Butler having another good game here. Yeah. Uh, it's A lot of people rag on Tommy Condell for his offensive play calling, but you have to, you got to give him a little slack when he's like making the play or making a package for like the fourth quarterback of the year here. Yeah. So I, you have to give him a little benefit of the doubt there. But yeah, again, it's pretty much in the CFL, you need to have the run game to establish the pass game to establish play action. So it's, it, it's imperative, especially when you're the weaker team and you need to, you need to win that battle of the trenches. That's, like 90% of winning a game when you're the underdog, right? So uh, hopefully for Hamilton fans, it's been a long year. We we know what your year was like last year here in Ryderville with a team that is underperforming in the Grey Cup year. So hopefully they can turn it around because the East is still wide open. Uh, yeah, it is. But uh, it needs to start sooner than later, uh, <laughs> obviously. Uh, Tyler Turnowski uh, looks like he's going to miss this game with an ankle injury, the Canadian receiver there. Uh, and maybe they're going to start getting some guys back off the six-game injured list in the near future here. Uh, Dylan Wynn, Wynn has been out with the uh, knee injury. He's been practicing this week. So if he gets back sooner rather than later, he'll be a big addition to that defensive line in in Hamilton. But uh, right now, it just looks like you got to limit your 
mistakes because the Argos absolutely crush teams that uh, make those mistakes. And the way that <laughs> AJ Oled is playing, he right now he seems like a madman that just can't be stopped. He, he gets rolling, and you can't stop him. And the touchdowns, he has been uh, scoring as well. He's on he's on a wild pace uh, himself right now. The We talk about big plays. Edmonton leading the league in that category, giving them up. Well, Hamilton is tied for second with Ottawa at 14. And Toronto has actually had 10 big plays themselves and we saw last week Chad Kelly the guy no effort and it's a at least it looks like no effort uh 57 yard plays down the field Hamilton can't let that happen and look they're in tough uh although Tunde Adelike practicing in full this week after missing last week that should be a big addition to that back end for the Tiger Cats. But limiting those mistakes against the Argos, it's going to be a tall task for the Tiger Cats at Tim Hortons Field. BC Lions, home to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And speaking of another big point spread, the Lions are 10-point favorites. But Sheldon, I didn't realize this. Saskatchewan has won five straight games at BC Place. But BC coming off the bye. Teams are 6-1 and one off the bye in 2023. And Mason Fine is set to make his third career start for the Riders. How are you feeling about this game Saturday in Vancouver? Very low expectations so that you can't. So, like, I, it's, it's tough. Um, we saw what he could do in those two games last season, but I think I don't know if we can really – it's fair to judge him off those games because the Riders were already out of the playoffs, and it was kind of – I'm not going to say he wasn't trying his hardest or the team wasn't trying their hardest, but it's hard to get be motivated right at that point. So I think I'm cautiously optimistic that Jeffries can get a game plan for him. It's it's a very tall task going against that BC defensive line with Betts and so they need to uh, have him quite – the good thing is he's mobile, right? Trevor Harris wasn't as mobile as the, the other mobile quarterbacks are, but he had to run a little bit here, and he hurt himself having to do that this last game. Uh, but his one good positive was that he could get the ball out of there quickly. Yeah, It seemed in the past couple of games he was holding on to it a little bit longer. But So they need to get the ball out of Mason hand, Mason Fine's hands extremely quickly, and they need to move the pocket around. They need to misdirection, option plays, maybe have Patterson come in and do some of his stuff. Uh, not sure, but uh, it's a tough task. It's but there's there shouldn't be that many expect or that high expectations on. Him. So uh, hopefully, just go in there and compete and execute. Talked about that uh, Matthew Betts having nine sacks in five games so far this year. The Canadian sack record is 17. That was set back in 2005 by BC Lion great Brent Johnson. Matthew Betts, of course, is on a pace where he could have like 30 sacks, which I don't, I don't think he's going to get to that point. But 
he does have an opportunity to maybe pad those sack numbers even further uh, this week. Uh, the Riders gave up seven sacks last week against Calgary, and you even saw them getting beat up down the middle by the defensive tackles. Even when the guards are struggling, limiting pressure on the quarterback from the tackles, your offensive line is in deep trouble, and we're starting to see that again from the Riders, even though they had sort of a, I guess, a stronger, a better start to the season. But once some of the veterans started getting hurt, and they're still dealing with injuries now, the offensive line is getting exposed again, much like they were last year. Yeah, like, I don't know how Evan Johnson still has a job on this team. I, I hate to say, like, he's a nice guy, but, like, he, he yeah, he's, a pylon would be more effective, I honestly think, right now. Like, it, it's ridiculous. He seems but to be almost public enemy like, number one for the Riders fans anyway. Well, yeah, and it's, it's like it's like last year with Natai Rogers, and it's it took, like, what was it, like 10 games before they realized and they moved on? Like, I get I get that Johnson's Canadian. I get that. Well, I don't guy. know. Like yeah. yeah, he's a local. Yeah, he's. He's a good kid, and we have some young, good kids on the line, but we're throwing them to the fire here, and it's yeah, it, it's not working for some of them. Like, like I saw that uh, Clifton was back practicing this week, so mm-hmm. that's good. That hopefully, he can get back in there. Godber's still probably a week or two away, unfortunately, but I don't think Bandy's been doing too terrible job at center. Like, there hasn't nope. been any nope. Aaron snaps or fumbles or anything like that, so that we're good there, I'd say. But um. It's going to be <laughs> more than a test going up against BC's defensive line here. And, and yeah, uh, and they're coming off a bye, so that doesn't uh, bode all that well. Uh, Peter Godber hasn't practiced this week for the Riders on the offensive line dealing with a hand injury, but also Anthony Lanier on the defensive line dealing with a hand injury, and Roland Milligan or sorry, Lanier was a foot injury. Roland Milligan has uh, injury problems right now as well. So, hey, Micah Johnson missed practice, non-football related, but some injury issues creeping up for the Riders. uh, And uh, they'll tell you, not an excuse, next man up. But (laughs) if you don't have the depth, it makes a difference, man. (laughs) Well, it sure feels like we should be able to use it as an excuse. Uh, <laughs> but Milligan is like the biggest injury, I would say, on the whole team, yeah. to be honest, because he was lights out last season. And and if Milligan's back there last game against Calgary, there's no way Bagleton is open as often as he was. Mm-hmm. Like Again, Clark, he's another guy. Like ob- It's pretty obvious why he was a healthy scratch. Because, uh, <laughs> man, he, was, he had a pretty brutal game back there. But we need to get Milligan back. We need, like, we have so we have Schaefer Baker, we have Winicky, we have Walker, we have Lenius who started practicing. So you yeah. know he's able to come off the sixth game next week. So hopefully he's good to go. But receiver really hasn't been an issue. <laughs> Where they're gonna have to make some some tough decisions when it comes to receiver because Tevin Jones has been playing well, Emulus has been playing well. Picton playing well. Uh, you uh, might want to move might Sean Bain, to... probably. No, yeah, yeah like uh, Sean Kendall Bain, Watson I need to see more from him. 
Yeah, Watt. Yeah, but I need to see more from Sean Bain. Like he, yep. and I'm not saying it's him. I, they need to involve him more. They need to get him on those those swing passes, but not just. They need to be more creative with him. They need to insert Mario Alf- Alfred into the offense. Like they have all these weapons that now is the time to use them when you have a little bit of a deficiency at your quarterback position. In uh, Vancouver, they've opened up the uh, some upper bowl seats for this game. They're looking for a pretty good crowd Saturday at BC Place. Uh, Taekwon Mizell was back at practice this week. Kind of splitting reps with running back Sean Shivers, who made his CFL debut a couple weeks ago against Montreal. Uh, He had 14 carries for 63 yards with a rushing touchdown, but he also added two catches for 73 yards. So Shivers is a pretty good weapon in the backfield for those BC Lions. I'm sure they're going to be looking forward to using him this week. I know Dom Rimes was sitting out practice on Wednesday. They expect him to be available against Saskatchewan, Um, but they look pretty healthy right now. It's really, it's just Vernon Adams Jr. establishing some consistency. He uh, threw the six picks against Toronto, and then he opened the next game against Montreal with an interception. They got called back on a penalty. I feel like if that one stood, maybe things started to, could spiral for him a little bit here. So I don't know if the Riders can rely on uh, another Nick Marshall game-sealing interception, but it feels like if they're going to win, that's what it's going to take uh, on Saturday in BC to force Vernon Adams Jr. to make mistakes. Yeah, it's going to take that, and it's going to take Save on Foods giving away a million dollars because we're going to need a couple returns from Alfred and – I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of kickoffs from BC in this game. When uh, That's true. When your special teams is your best offensive player. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if you could get points for that? Yeah, it's too bad when they only count as a, uh, as a touchdown. That's uh, very frustrating. I I think the return game is one of the most exciting things we still have in the CFL. We should celebrate it on fantasy, and we should celebrate it anytime we can. Uh, Mario Alford, I think he's scoring. I saw the stat. He's scoring a touchdown every 3.7 games or something like that. So if the averages play out, he's not going to score this week. That being said... It's really big for the Lions to limit him so Mason Fine doesn't have that favorable uh, field position to work with because <laughs> Alfred, can, he's a game changer. He, he could flip a field just like that and help out the offense, of course. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure BC's not going to – they're going to kick away from him too after a game like that. You just know that's – uh, hope maybe they can work on some reverses or something like like you don't want to give away everything but Craig Dickinson is a special teams guru and mm-hmm. the one thing that we haven't really seen from him other than like a couple onside kicks is like trickery when it comes to special teams so now is the time where if we want to keep pace and we want to be able to lock in a playoff position it's time for stuff like that to happen. I mean, we see some reverses. We should see some 
you know, fake punts. Corsak, he's a great punter. And there's been tons of times where, like, if you if you see that back view, like, he could take off and run with it. And I, it, maybe they're saving that for the end of the season. I don't know, but it's it's time to start getting creative. The Riders lead the league in punt return average, nearly 15 yards a punt. The BC Lions on cover teams, they're giving up almost 12 yards a punt. They're they're better than they were last year. It was an area of struggle, cover teams for the Lions. So uh, you know that they're going to be focused on Mario Alford this Saturday. It's also crazy that Mario Alford has already broken the Riders' return touchdown record. That is crazy. That. It's amazing, but it's crazy. (laughs) He just came last year, right? Or was yeah. it? Yeah, wow. Nineteen games, I believe he's played. Nineteen games, <laughs> and he beat the record in a hundred and how? How long has the Riders been around? The long, rich history of Rider returners. <laughs> uh, Sunday is probably the most intriguing game right now. Of course, last week, <laughs> looking on the surface, it's like yeah, 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 and then. You know, it hit the fan. Uh, Calgary's only four-point favorites over the Ottawa Red Blacks here as Dustin Crum will lead his team into Cowtown. The big thing is, can the Stamps stop Crum from rumbling and running all over them? They called it last week the Crumback, and they, <laughs> they actually released shirts and everything, but he has... 201 yards rushing in two games this year. Uh, what do they do? They put Alway on him? I, I don't know if that's a good situation for the Red Blacks. You don't want that middle linebacker all over your starting quarterback every play. Uh, but th- that has to be what the Stamps are going to try to do on defense uh, on Sunday. Yeah, but if you have a guy spying your quarterback, that's a guy yeah. who's not yeah. dropping back into coverage. So, it, and Kari Jones is somebody who would be able to, I think, use that to his advantage, perhaps. So, uh, yeah, last week, you know, red black fans of two and out, your boy did it. So here we go again. <laughs> so you're welcome, Andrea and Vince and all those other people. You're welcome. The good luck charm. Yeah, good luck charm. Yeah, I, I love that. Now, Thanks to Vince for reminding us that it's uh, Baron Miles, the uh, DC for Ottawa, instead of uh, Noel Thorpe. And he's got his hands full this week as well. The the Stamps had their best offensive game of the year last week against Saskatchewan. Ottawa's defense has been keeping them in games. They've been (laughs) forcing turnovers. They've been really hard on offenses. So Jake Mayer has a tall task ahead of him this week against the Red Blacks unit. He does. And and honestly, like, Jake Mayer missed a lot of passes last week, too, when he had right open receivers. So it could have been a lot worse had he been a little bit more accurate. Uh, mm-hmm. The jury fell out on Jake Mayer. Like, we, I don't think any of us have seen anything yet to really fully cement himself that he was that much better than Bo to move on from. So he's got to keep keep improving if he's going to keep his job there. I think Ottawa's defense has been playing better than Saskatchewan's defense, especially without Milligan. And so I think Calgary's in a, in a tougher spot when it comes to their offensive versus Ottawa's defense. 
And while um, BC is number one in several uh, defensive categories, Ottawa is number two in points against. They're number two in uh, offensive points against. They're number two in touchdowns given up. They've only given up nine, uh, but eight were offensive touchdowns. They're number one against the run, 3.6 yards a carry is what uh, they're averaging here. So Diedrich Mills, I think, has been a bit of a strength for the Stampeders. He was not really too involved against Saskatchewan. Um, So it's going to be another tough week to get him involved against the Red Blacks, who have been tough, tough, tough against the run. And they're going to be giving Jake Mayer some fits. Although last week, it just kind of seemed with... Uh, Mark and Michelle back, him getting some attention. Um, Reggie Bagleton was, those probably just blown coverages, but to let the veteran receiver in that uh, receiving core just be left that wide open, I I can't see Ottawa allowing that to happen uh, Sunday at McMahon Stadium. But, uh, I mean, a bit of a blow for the Stampeders here because Luther Hakanavanu was in a walking boot Wednesday at practice. Dave Dickinson claiming that he'll be okay. Luther had a couple big plays against Saskatchewan. He's a big receiver that uh, can make things happen. Now, Tommy Lee Lewis had the touchdown in his first catch in his first game against the Riders, also had the called back uh, punt return as well off the illegal block. He missed practice on Wednesday too. So those are a couple guys that the Stamps don't want to be without once they, you know, start to get the offense rolling and then guys get hurt. It's like, oh, here we go again. Um, But it does appear Josh Coker was back at practice on the offensive line this week. And he's on the sixth game, so probably going to return next week. But a good sign for the Stampeders that he is back practicing. But uh, the Stamps, <laughs> they're another young team. And they struggle with injuries as well, especially in that receiving core. And if they're going to have some more changes there, uh, Jake is going to be in tough this week against against Ottawa. But that being said... Crum needs to have more going than just the rushing game. And uh, that's really all he had going against Winnipeg, right? (laughs) They missed a couple big plays themselves. They need to get those receivers going at least a little bit. Yeah, but the good thing here is that Ottawa knows that Calgary is going to be focusing on that. So now is the time to... (laughs) You know that you're you have that skill. Now's the time this week in practice to work on those crossing routes or work on those curls or just play action to get Calgary and those very strong defensive players to like pin their hairs, ears back and just kind of bite on all those running uh, fakes. Uh, running Red Black started to have some veterans get back to practice this week as well. Shaq Evans back practicing after the hand injury, and Jovan Santos Knox, the linebacker, back practicing as well. These guys probably not going to play against Calgary, but uh, the Red Blacks getting healthy and getting some uh, good veteran pieces back in their lineup in the near future as well. And that being said, just anecdotally, it just seems like. The Red Blacks always play the Stamps tough. 
They yeah. <laughs> always, always give them fits. So, yeah, they've got a chance to go into McMahon Stadium and uh, leave with a win here. And if they do, I just kind of look at the uh, landscape that has been going on in the East Division where uh, the Red Blacks could move to 500, then all of a sudden they're second right behind the Argos. <laughs> and that's contingent, of course, on the Argos beating the uh, the Ticats as well. But uh, so far this year, thanks to Edmonton, the East has a better record than the West. And right now a better interdivisional record which, if that holds, look, we got a long way to go. I don't think that's happened since 2015, where the East was better against the West than vice versa. So, <laughs> 2023 has been uh, just another one of those wacky years in the CFL, and that's why we all love this league, man. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think like anyone can really say that. Toronto's the only team in the East that's actually like really performed like we kind of thought they would. Mm-hmm. Like I think Montreal has looked a little better than people thought they would at certain points. Hamilton has obviously looked a lot worse than people thought, and I think Ottawa a little bit better-ish, and especially in this past couple games, I guess. But yeah, the it's it. I think parity is kind of back in the CFL here. It looks like because because. Like we talked about before, Winnipeg are not the juggernauts that they used to be, it seems. And yeah. and while BC looked like dominant, they also looked terrible one game. And again, Vernon Adams just had a bad game. But a lot of people say that that's the real Vernon Adams. So we'll have to see as the rest of the league goes on. I just hope it's he's gonna do. not a mirage for the Red Blacks. Like they get that win over yeah. the Bobbers. Yeah. And that... <laughs> Build well, off no, of like, that. Build off of that. But they have, they have, they have the defense, and defense yeah, wins yeah. championships, right? Yeah. And it, they've been very unlucky at the quarterback position with Mazzoli having these two injuries, and uh, it's just, it's just if they can put it all together, and and like we've talked about before, they have like a really good, solid, young coaching staff, and. It, it seems to be working. The players want to play for them, obviously. Bob Dice is a guy that I'm sure a lot of players want yeah. to run through a wall for, and Kahari and Baron. Like, it's good stuff there. What's your uh, fantasy lineup looking like? Well, uh, I'm I'm rolling the dice on the value quarterback crumb pick. Yeah! Hopefully he, can, <laughs> hopefully he doesn't just get crumpet. Here uh, we go. Oh, captain, my captain. I'm sticking with AJ Oled as my captain. Uh, I got Brady Oliveira. I got Nick Dembski. Uh, taking a flyer on Picton because I think him and uh, him and Fine, I think, have a little bit of a chemistry from their their times working on the on the the second team there. So I'm hoping he has a good game. And then for my flex, I got touchdown Drew Wiltarski. And defense, we're going with Toronto. All right, uh, in the CFL Podcast Fantasy League, I've got Trey from the Canadian Football Countdown. Uh, my lineup, uh, I've got the top three are the same as you, man. Chad Kelly, A.J. Olette, Brady, Oliveira. Uh, I got Mark and Michelle from the Stampeders. Lucky Whitehead of the Lions. 
And Sean Shivers of the Lions in my flex, 5000 bucks. If they're going to give him the ball 14 times like they did against Montreal, I'd be a happy camper. And I'm going to... I'm going to roll with that Argonaut defense as well. For Pick'em this week, yeah, we're the same. Bombers, Argos, Lions, and Stampeders. How confident are you? From my heart. This is my heart. (laughs) But I'm using my head this week. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's usually... I've been doing terrible on uh, Pick'em, so... Uh, I might as well just go opposite. <laughs> yeah, well, at least you're doing okay on fantasy. Hey, did you see Chris O'Leary, one of the writers, CFL.ca, rolled with Edmonton? I did see that. <laughs> That's the Hail Mary. I, I, I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love the uh, ballsiness. Yeah. Uh, you can the willing to take a loss is just impressive. Yeah. <laughs> you can rate, <laughs> review, and subscribe to Two It Out on your favorite podcatcher. You can check us out on YouTube as well, uh, liking and leaving a comment there. A lot of people were pretty jacked after week six. Week seven's got a lot to live up to. I'm okay with having a breather and it not being as good <laughs> as last week. I don't know if my heart rate can handle that anymore. Uh, maybe I should just switch to more whole foods or something like that. But uh, no. <laughs> 7-Eleven chicken for that. <laughs> you can support Two and Out on Patreon as well. You get the show earlier than anyone else. Thank you for su- your support. Thanks, Sheldon, for coming on and uh, being here when Brazilian Thai can't be. And uh, we will talk to you on Monday. Wrapping up week seven. Brazilian Thai will be back. You have a good one and enjoy this week of CFL football. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.